listening to episode 176 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two in preparation of season three, TNT's The Librarians. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, man, we're getting close. You know, I was looking at the calendar, and my wife's asking me about some of these other shows that we watch, and have I set the DVR? Oh, yeah, of course, which, of course, was a lie, <laughs> and I had to go and set them when she wasn't looking but librarian season two episodes eight to ten but we're gonna see how we're doing on time we might throw in a couple minutes of westworld at the end although sitting here thinking you know maybe what we should do if we don't have time just go down and do a quick one during lunch one day yeah that's what she said and uh yeah that's a good idea (laughs) <laughs> all right well we'll we'll see how we're doing we're going to look at season two as we said episodes eight to ten titled the librarians and the point of salvation the librarians and the happily ever afters and the librarians and the final curtain as always want to you know get you guys to uh send us an email sci-fi tv rewatch gmail.com you can see us at the website leave a voicemail you can record your own audio clip send us the mp3 tweet us at sci-fi tv rewatch and you know consider joining the facebook group and join the discussions there so we got a lot to talk about so I, yeah we do I, I think without further ado why don't we just jump into it episode 208 it. yes the librarians and the point of salvation written by jeremy bernstein who also wrote horns of a dilemma and the city of light with john rogers directed by your favorite jonathan frakes yep and this one aired December 13th, 2015. So uh, in terms of initial observations, and as we said, we're not going to go into the depth we ordinarily go into, but this is why you don't install games on your computer, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why you don't install games on your quantum computer. It, oh, good point. <laughs> now, I liked the take on the Groundhog's Day story. What about you? Sure. Yeah. It, you know, because I mean, we really didn't spend much time wondering what was going on because we've seen it before. Right. Exactly. And I think that was a good thing. Oh yeah. 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 And, and they didn't try to play it up as in the what's going on. It's just a matter of, well, just like a video game where you're not, you don't see the big picture because you don't really know what the big picture is a video game. All you're trying to do is get to the next level. Right. Right. Wh- which was the awesome to use Jones phrase twist about this episode that that it, it was certainly a time loop and, and again we've seen characters trapped in a time loop seemingly no way out sure. until jones and, and i think this was one of the jones centric episodes oh, that that no, we've been no doubt that no we've doubt. been asking for yeah and uh, and to you know it's funny because usually we get like a, a centric episode like uh, what lies beneath the stones, where we do get a lot of Jacob's like backstory and everything. We we don't get backstory here, anything like that. But I think we see more of Jones in this than more of his character revealed than we've really had of any of the other characters revealed at all. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a reasonable assessment. Sure, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing we don't see a lot of it, but they set us up to return to the Prospero storyline with, with Jenkins and his little Faye, who I, I, I like that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I liked it better when she's a big Faye though. Yeah. How about that? And, I, <laughs> and it's, you know, of course you look her up and she's hardly done anything sure. and, and I'm thinking like, she's awesome. Why is she not working she's really more? Good. Yeah. But 
they're going to investigate what turns out to be a DARPA quantum computer turbo boosted with an Atlantean crystal. And, you know, I, I, again, I can't remember what shows I've run across DARPA, but it, it is a real thing. The Defense Advanced Research oh. Projects Agency. I would say it's like Dharma, like in Lost. Oh, no. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, I don't know whether it's, you know, black ops, secret, you know, whatever facilities, but right. uh, probably. But trapped in this DARPA facility that's gone into meltdown mode. And, and of course, as we said, the kicker is that that they become trapped in a time loop as they're trying to disable this core before it goes critical. And again, as we've said many times, we're suckers for any space-time disruption. Well, in this episode, I mean, how can you not now, though? I I don't know what actually came first, but I think they're so close to one another that there's no way, like, the one influenced the other. But the the Doctor Who episode from last season where Peter Capaldi has his Groundhog Day episode. Oh, right. Remember, he's doing the same thing over and over again. So I... I mean, I'm pretty sure that they like both were like really close to one another. So there's no way that either one of them, you know, like was an inspiration for the other. But, uh, you know, they both are very reminiscent of one another. Right. And what was so powerful about this one is Joan's frustration at not only having to go through this time and time again as he learns something new then he goes back starts over applies that but now he needs to learn something else he goes back but it was that that point at which he just can't bear to see those members of his team die each time right yeah and and despite the fact that he knows he can go back and they'll be alive it's it's got to be so frustrating so emotional because he he I suppose could reach a point where he can't go back and save them, but they are dead because I mean, while you think it's a time loop, you think you know what a time loop means. Hey, it's a time loop. Time might run out on you. Right. And, but, and, uh, but I was just thinking how like traumatic that must, you know, like, I mean, the, the, the probably the greatest mercy that comes out of this is the fact that at the end he doesn't remember it. Because how scarring would that be? Despite knowing your friends are okay and they came out all right, the number of times you saw them die, that can't help but really scar a person. It would have to. And as you said, that's sort of the, I mean, it is an irony, but it's also such a cool twist to the story because all throughout the episode, he has to convince and then reconvince them of what's actually going on because he's the only one that realizes it. Right. And then at the end, but as you said, that's the reality. If he remembered, it would just be just too much emotionally, I think, to handle, even for Jones. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he already has to handle the fact that he couldn't get through the door and the lock that houses the quantum computer. Ezekiel Jones does not lose to a lock. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot, you know, he, he th- there's a lot that he has to learn here. I mean, one, he has, he learns humility for sure. We saw how you know how he cockily walks up to the lock the first time, thinking, "Oh, I got this." And then he has to learn teamwork because he has to learn from each of the other team members how to get past you know the obstacles, and uh, ultimately he has to learn self-sacrifice. Right, and that's not something that Jones is really fond of doing. None of those things—humility, teamwork, and sacrifice—are not anything. He, 
that we've seen from him before that he's really into very much. Right. I mean, we could argue teamwork to a certain extent, but the other two, no, not at all. Right. Now, do you have a favorite scene? Because I definitely have one, but I'll let you. The uh, the the one. I, I mean, I like I like me a good hero scene when he's like he's basically saying, you know, he has them all um, jump across and he lobs the hand grenades at them so that they can make it across, and then, but there's there's he only has three. Yeah. And so I kind of like that where, you know, you see him really just completely sacrificing himself for the others. Yeah. I, look, I, I'm, I think I've probably said this once or twice on the podcast. I'm a big freaking baby. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, emotional scenes, I'll, you know, I mean, I'm not, it's not, it's not like I'm going to sit there on the couch sobbing, but you know, I'll get a tear. Oh, come on, dude. Uh, I know. <laughs> and, and certainly the librarians isn't ordinarily that kind of show, but yeah, that scene you just mentioned was again, so powerful, so well done, so emotional, and so un-Jones. Yeah. Which I guess is what adds to its power. Well, mine, I would have to say, is the scene in which he has to prove to them that it's actually a video game, because how absurd does that sound? Right. So he shoots Stone in the leg (laughs) and then tosses him the health pack. Right, right, right. (laughs) Which instantly heals him, but... And then Stone is as psyched as Jones is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he gets up. He's like, oh, it's a video game. <laughs> yeah, right. right. How cool is this? Yeah, there was, there was actually a lot of really funny interplay between uh, him and Jacob in this one. There's the, uh, uh, what, some kind of thief or some kind of master thief, was he keep repeating, you know, like time and time again. Each time he keeps failing to open the lock. And then the one when uh, Ezekiel's just had it, so he doesn't tell Jacob about the... Uh, the taser tile on the floor. Right. <laughs> and he steps on. So yeah, there's some, there's some quality, funny stuff going on here. And again, you know, the scene where he figured out what's going on. So he locks the other three in the room. And, and that's really the first time we hear that, that, you know, plaintive cry that I can't watch you die anymore. Yeah, that was good too. And again, you know, we don't see that much out of John Kim. And I guess to a certain extent, we wonder, well, does he have that range as an actor? And well, the answer is yes, he does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, we saw, again, he he took on a little bit of gravitas back in the, um, when, you know, Eve was going through the different uh, realities and she gets to the one where um, Jones is the librarian. Well, that's yeah. true. So there's a little think- bit of seriousness there. Yeah, that, well, that's true. But he tells them he's going to go learn the way out of the game and then come back for them. But sort of like that scene at the end that you described, he also, I think, realizes at that point that he might not be back, but at least they'll still be alive. Right. And, and obviously, you know, that's a, that's a huge point of emphasis for him. Now, again, you talk about emotion Eve telling Jones about that market garden story and uh-huh. and somebody one of my kids today asked me what my favorite period of history is and you know I thought about it for a second and and for me it's really that 1900 to about 1945 the first two world wars mm-hmm. you know Vietnam's probably a little too close for me to you know I don't really enjoy watching documentaries about that on television and and you know the Gulf Wars things like that. I was very familiar with the Market Garden story. Sure. And, you know, as she tells him about the brave men who go, even though they know what will happen to them, right? It's not the first guys. 
it's the second guys that saw what happened to the first guys. Right. Yep. And wow. I mean, it's just, and I just love how they bring that, that war analogy into it because I mean, again, I, I don't mean to make the librarians into something that it's not because at its heart, as we've always said, it's a family show. It's, it's meant to be fun, but they, they do teach us things <laughs> and this they is about, stuff in well they do right and, yeah. and, and this is uh, you know about as heavy as it's gotten and i think they did it well you don't want them to do it every week for sure but uh, just you know it, it just fits so well with the overall story arc which is jones being the hero right and you know he uh, um, he says something about how he's heard her say that, or I think she asked him, how many times have, have you heard me say that? He's said like a, a lot. He says, but I like the way you look at me when you say that. Yeah, exactly. So I just thought that was, that was really cool. It's kind of like, yeah, we, we talked about even like her, like maternal aspects, especially towards, I think probably more towards Jones than the other two. Um, she's very kind of like motherly to him a lot of times. And, and certainly here you see him like just kind of like wanting that uh, affirmation like a child would want from his or her mother. Right. And, and just even, you know, he when he makes that impassioned speech about how much they each mean to him and you just need to trust me this once. And, and of course, I think that recognition hits him in the face that, well, I've not done a lot along the way for them to trust me, but you have to. And then that line, just this once, let me be the big brother, mm-hmm. which, which kind of then, then just fits so neatly with, with what you said about Eve and, the, uh, and her relationship with Jones in particular. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. So good stuff in this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, you, you know, we already talked about, you know, getting across there at the end and that he, uh, okay, so we see how big the gap is. We see, you know, that how each of the three of them make it. At that point, all right, fine. I, I, we don't care how Jones gets across. Just however unbelievable, we're fine. Okay, and then at the end, where he thinks they're teasing him about being the hero, it's just, uh, it's just, it couldn't be any better. Yeah. Again, the uh, the big irony at the end is that uh, he can't accept that he's the hero. Right. 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 That's, you know, Ezekiel Jones doesn't do the hero. Right. Before I mention a little bit, and, and really, there, there really is only a little bit about uh, the Prospero story. Anything else on, on the time loop story you want to throw out there? Uh, nope. Okay. Well, you know, Jenkins pretty much is the, the key figure in the Prospero, and he communicates with the tiny Fay that we mentioned to ask questions about Prospero, and then... The Fae also tells him, and it sounds almost like it's sort of an offer about how he can end his immortality. And, and you know, that is something we've seen in genre fiction about the, the character that I've lived long enough. I want to die, <laughs> you know, and, and right. now we haven't really gotten that sense out of Jenkins, but it's almost as if he if he knew he could knowing that might be enough but it doesn't tempt him right. you know he is intrigued but he he does he does think about it yeah you know um but then he's like no yeah. right right like, right 
Buffet tells him that Prospero's goal is joy for mortals. And and we're thinking like, okay, what exactly does that mean? And and we go through this whole thing about Jenkins gets uh, three questions. And, you know, the final question, well, certainly he wants to know about when Prospero plans to attack. And the, and the answer is now. Yeah. What happens at the end? And then that wave sweeps over Jenkins. The librarians have gone, but we don't know to where. Right. And uh, again, we'll find out soon enough. We'll find out soon enough. Great, you know, great way to end that. You know, and (laughs) how nice was it for season two to actually go in the intended order and not have to. Right. (laughs) You know, I guess it wasn't that much of a hardship since he laid it out for us. It it gave something to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah. The numbers just didn't match up. But anyway, so episode 209, The Librarians and the Happily Ever Afters, written by Jeffrey Thorne and Jeremy Bernstein, directed by Rod Hardy, aired on December 20th, 2015. And, you know, in this one, whereas the last time we had the time loop, now we've got this self-reinforcing delusion and an alternate timeline, I, I guess, but at the heart, is this plan for Prospero to do something? We're just not exactly clear what it is. Right. So I'm just going to say right out of the bat, Dave, that next to the Christmas episode from season one, this is probably my favorite episode of the library. This is an awesome episode. Yeah. I just, I, like I was just laughing out loud the whole, and you know, obviously not the first time I've seen it, but still just laughing the whole time. Just, ah, it's so good. So well-written. Uh, it's just awesome. Yeah, and I I was forgot to mention the the one we just talked about. I, I certainly give it an A. A for sure. Yeah. This one, I, by the time we're done, the plus might come out. I, I, I'm giving it a plus right now. So I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I, this is one of my favorite of the entire series. You know, I I love the farce like situations involving the team, and and then. As we're trying to figure out what exactly it is, and look, you didn't really watch Once Upon a Time, right? I did not watch Once Upon a Time. I did watch Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, though. Oh, oh, right. Oh, I remember. I'm yeah, sorry. That I'm was sorry. not not yeah. a, a really good use of my time. It, it was not. Uh, I'm sure. And I <laughs> I apologize if you did that on on my account. No, but. I think I don't know. I I think it just it looked interesting to me, and I and I didn't want to try to go back and watch. You know. Once right. upon a time. So anyway, but but again, I think we all have enough experience in different you know, fantasy, supernatural type shows that we're not totally out of our depth in trying to figure out what exactly is going on here. I mean, you know, we we see okay, it's clearly some sort of alternate timeline. Uh, we don't know at first that it's a self reinforcing delusion, but the fact that it turns out to be. I guess what each character sees as the ideal life, or right. is is that Prospero's perception well, of what the ideal life would be for them? Well, no, it's theirs because they're the, the it's their acceptance of it that reinforces it, right? Exactly, that's what I thought. Like, so if it were Prospero's, they wouldn't really be it. It wouldn't strike true with them, but it does strike true with them because, like, what they really want, which is how funny to think that what Ezekiel really wants is to be an FBI agent. Right, and we he was, at, well, he was an FBI agent, or did he just well, he work worked with for he worked for MI six? Oh, that's right, that's right. But which is, I guess, kind of like the FBI. 
Right. Yeah. It's a military intelligence and R- right. But I, you know, I wasn't just, I wasn't sure. I, I, I just finished foundation and empire and uh, you know, I, I don't know how long it's been since you read it. It's I mean, been for a while, me, but I love those books. Right. But you, you, you know, the, the character, the mule yeah. who basically controls people's right. emotions. So, you know, at, at first I was wondering whether it was something like this, but like you said, that's really what it turns out to be that it, it would have to be, them reinforcing this for it to stick and, and of yeah. course they do right so right. so we see lit, uh eve as the sheriff mm-hmm. how how great was that just the small town sheriff and and you know we almost had a little taste of it in, in the episode with her army buddy where yeah. you know when he was the politician in that small town atmosphere so that was really cool she's she's very comfortable there stone First time we see him, he's got a co-ed in his sports car. I think it's a motorcycle. Oh, was it a motorcycle? I think it was a motorcycle with a sidecar, yeah. Oh, okay. And he is apparently teaching, I don't know, 16 different <laughs> disciplines 11, at the co- 11. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, during that search, he's leading a group of co-eds. I think in the far back, there might be a guy or two, but <laughs> right. you know, it's all the uh, 21, 22, 23-year-old girls that yeah. are, are hanging on every word. So, all right, that, that's cool. Stone, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what we expected out of Stone. It just took uh, a while. Maybe a little bit. We'll see him as much of a ladies' man, but you know, I guess there is. It's, it's in there, obviously. Well, you know, and, and we don't really see him do anything other than allow them to- yeah idolize him sure, sure you know we don't see him necessarily taking advantage in any way because that, that's not jacob stone at least not uh, the one uh, that we've seen right, right right now cassandra is easily my favorite in this episode <laughs> and i don't know if you notice but her voice is different yeah it's a little deeper yeah this lower timbre slower delivery because she always seems so excited but here's this very calm i'm sorry very sexy <laughs> Uh, I love like the, the hat. hat huh? uh, oh, like the I love hat the straight hat. Straight hair. And, and, and again, it's funny because occasionally we see Stone with a hat. I mean, not exactly like that, but. Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry. That just reminded me of something. So did you catch in, I'm sorry, the previous episode when Ezekiel, he like fixes the uh, the pipe and then he like twirls the wrench in his hand? I didn't, but I, you know, I did want to say something about that because that was, again, something that he learned from Stone. Right. But no, I didn't see that. How? Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. I, again, like, again, thank you to the Kaniacs out there who pointed it out to me because that, that wasn't a thing in my mind until you guys pointed it out. But now I, like, can't unsee it every time he, uh, he, you know, twirl something. And then for uh, Ezekiel to do it when he was, you know, accomplishing the job that Jacob had taught him to do, uh, that was just, I was laughing. That was hilarious. Uh, Because again, I notice every time he's holding something, whether it's an ax, you know, a big pipe wrench in in, in this case, but no, God, I can't believe I missed that. That, Yeah. It was a big wrench too. Yeah. Now see if I had said that you would say that's what she said, but <laughs> I, uh, well, you kind of did say it there. Uh, uh, that's a good point. All right. So <laughs> it, it was also such good fun watching Flynn who has reemerged in this episode, yeah. agitated at seeing Eve and Moriarty together, <laughs> which then begs the question, is that her secret desire or is her secret desire for Flynn to be jealous? For Flynn to be jealous. Yeah. 
I mean, we talked about this before, and I said I really wouldn't say anything, but I mean, we saw earlier that there is a, what I think is a valid actual attraction between Eve and Moriarty. Yeah. And had he not, like, broke bad in this one, maybe he would have stood a better chance, but, or actually, was it this, the next one, sorry. Yeah, it gets tough. <laughs> for, for those of you that have been around the podcast for a few years, back in the day when we actually did four episodes in a podcast yeah. a few times. Yeah, we were trying to get all the uh, Lost Girl squeezed in before the new season. Yeah, and we did. We did, yep. Uh, back when we were young. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right but but yeah, I mean, how great is it to have... Uh, have Flynn back. Oh, oh, and by the way, it I was did- so great to have Flynn back. I just every time he's in an episode. I mean, not nothing against the others because they are fantastic. But when Noah Wiley swans in as Flynn, it's just like it. It they 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 just step the episode up to eleven. Yeah, yeah, no question. And I hope to get this edited and dropped well before Sunday. So I'm really going to try. But just in case, I'll post it on the website. I did notice when I was setting up my DVR to record Sunday that it looks like they're running the movies before the episode. So, if, you know, if anybody wants to take a look at the movies again, I'm sure most of you guys have seen them multiple times. But, you know, like National Treasure, dude, I watch them every time. You watch on. it a million times. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, I have some uh, birthday Amazon money that has just come my way that I think I'm going to – because they're only five bucks a piece on, on, to buy, to own. Really? If you get through Amazon Prime, they're they're five dollars. All three, well, not all, each one separately. Now so is that for, for the DVD? No, for the uh, for the the um, streaming it, version. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a, a mini discussion with Kevin Batchelder on the Facebook group about that. I guess I, you know, I, I still can't let go of physical media. Yeah, I mean, there's just something I still like about holding the box in my hand, but. There's something I like about not having more DVDs piling up on on the shelf. Yeah, I know, I understand. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I get because actually, I mean, I I I did read a couple articles about this, and it appears that most, for especially for Blu-ray, the disc is going to be a better quality image than the um, streaming than the streaming, right? You know, like I said, I mean, uh, it's just it's so convenient just to have it right there. And like I said, I mean, for this particular one, for the librarians, like for five bucks, you just can't you can't beat that, you know? No, no, not at all. So, no. all right. Well, we've got a cold open. Haven't had one of those for a while. Flynn's amongst a bunch of ninja attackers, escapes <laughs> back to the library through a portal. Well, would you remember, like back in the very first episode with ninjas in Oklahoma, right? Oh. Like this- it's kind of like a thing. Every time I see ninjas on the show, I, I chuckle. Yeah, great T-shirt, ninjas in Oklahoma. Yeah, there come you up go. with some sort of design. I'll tell you, Michael does an awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen his online T-shirt store and different things he sells. I mean, started with the Continuum stuff, but uh, you know, he's included a lot of shows. So I will have to bring that up to him. All right, so well, I just I just uh, googled ninjas in Oklahoma and. Um, the first thing you get, Oklahoma, the library fandom powered by Wikia, Ninjisha, Shuki, and Sushi and Walk. Oklahoma man develops gym for aspiring ninjas in Edmond. So Nice. <laughs> so there are ninjas in Oklahoma. Apparently there are ninjas in Oklahoma. Okay. All right. Well, Flynn has recovered the last of the artifacts stolen by Prospero. 
But the problem is the alternate timeline and, and, you know, there are no other librarians. There's no Eve. And, and he's trying to, of course, figure out what exactly to do. So he goes to Sicily Island, which I don't know if that's a real place or not. I meant to look that up, but. Oh, well, you're talking. I'll check it out. To investigate a missing Native American totem. I'm assuming it probably is. And finds Eve, the sheriff, stones a professor. Commander Cassandra runs a beer, a, a bar bookstore, and is also a physicist, astronaut, and TV star. <laughs> As you said, Jones is the FBI agent. Dark glasses, again, you know, very. The, uh, the, the rule breaker who, or something like that, right? Uh, well, like, right. He even brings that up, right? But uh, the bar is HQ for their crime fighting team. Yeah. <laughs> Have you all lost your mind? <laughs> or have I? You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, ah, this Noah Wiley, he's just, he's just fantastic. And like, you know, playing like perplexed and, and just, you know, just like unbelievable. Like this guy, special agent, he's like 15 years old and Australian. <laughs> right, right. And then, of course, I'm not expecting Moriarty to walk in, but of course, as soon as he does, it makes perfect sense. Sure. He's greeted and then kisses Eve, which, of course, sends Flynn into a, uh, you know. <laughs> Apoplexy, I believe is the word. <laughs> yes. All right. So, obviously, Flynn's got to figure out what's going on. And, and anytime any of them need help figuring out what's going on, they go to Jenkins. Right. And but Jenkins had, has forgotten him, too. Well, he advises Flynn to play along to combat the self-reinforcing delusion, because that's what he he kind of figures it out. So even though he doesn't remember, he he understands the symptom, I guess. Right. Well, that's what I like about Jenkins is that he never questions that that's a thing. Like, oh, okay, well, naturally, you're right. You probably are. I don't remember there being three other librarians, but you say there were, and I believe there were, and here's probably how it happened. Yeah. yeah. You know, he doesn't doubt Flynn's story at all. Right. So, you know, we see Stone and Jones in that absurd 70s cop show scenario, you know, bad guy just gets away, handcuffs still on, which of course we've seen out of out of Jones before. Flynn brings up the whole concept of magic and and of course at first they, you know, think that's absurd, that's silly, but they, but then one by one they each have an open mind which I, I you know, again, I maybe their true self is still buried in there somewhere right or at least not maybe not their true self but the self that we know in the other timeline exactly the self that reveals itself in westworld right right now we meet ariel Uh (sighs) uh-huh yeah (laughs) that's all i'm saying yes (laughs) hello i'm ariel i'm a fairy (laughs) okay i love it yeah so she and Flynn return to the library. She tells them Prospero's responsible, that it's a story spell, you know, narrative magic. We're going to have to try that in school sometime. Narrative magic. Yeah, that might work. Uh, I hope it's, something's got to work, <laughs> especially with my last period. Something's um, got to take. Yeah, but, I cover for your last period, man. Yeah, Ooh. Yeah, I'm telling you. So to break the spell, they've got to reject their happily ever after. So, you know, the, the title starts to make sense now that, that we learn that what we see these people doing, these people that we know but we don't know, this is what they perceive to be their happily ever after. Yes. 
But if they're going to get out of it, then they have to like reject what is their vision of happiness. Exactly. Right. And right. Who who wants to do that? <laughs> no, of course not. And, and and part of the problem is we still don't really know what Prospero's end game is. No, no clue. I mean, Ariel's giving hints and clues, but we're not even sure at this point whether or not she knows. But you know, she and Flynn are working together. Um, all right, you, she could honestly just say whatever she wanted. I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> now, now you you seem to be better. Is she? Uh, I looked her up. I believe Just, she's an Irish actress. No, that's, no? that is one Scottish accent. Oh. That's all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize to all our fans from the Emerald Isle. So what's the deal with the blue eyes, the glowing? That's just their talisman. Is that, that what it turns I, I, out to I be? I think that's whenever the, um, whenever the, the their, their vision is reinforced, I think okay. their talisman kind of goes blue and their eyes go blue. Okay. So, yeah. Cause obviously again, takes us back to lost girl. Uh, no, no. All right. <laughs> All right. So Flynn makes that again, we've got another impassioned statement about each of them until he finally gets to Eve kisses her. And then she remembers. And again, it, it's on the one hand, it's so cheesy. On Very the other cheesy. hand, it's sweet. It's, it's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I think we've probably been even more, it probably been, we would have seen it more as cheesy, I think, had not we had Ariel there to react as she did. Right. And, and kind of gush over it and say how, how awesome that was. So. Yeah. And do you think the fact that we've seen the Princess Bride so many times that, you know, it's almost as if it was kind of an extension of that that idea that we've seen and and, and loved for how many years? Right. Well, that you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with a little sappy romantic love. Oh no! There, you know? and, and, and look, I mean, if you had told me the premise of a princess bride, I would have reacted like uh, you know, ten <laughs> year old Fred Savage, right? <laughs> you know, to yeah. to his grandfather. Yeah, Are you kidding Peter me? Falk. But, yep. but again, it's it's one of those movies we watch it every time it's on. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and and it's uh, the kid. I mean, my kids like it. You know, it's just it's a universally loved movie. Yep. But then she asks, "Do you want your real lives back?" And each of them's tempted with an offer you can't refuse. Right. Uh, but because each requires them to leave behind their friends, they each resist. Yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. Because the things that, because the uh, their their fantasy really puts on the full press at the end, right? Yeah, like what they really want more than anything else. What they the, really, but really but want. when you really think about it, it's not what they want more than anything else. Because what they want more than anything else is each other. Yeah, and how about it that that you know, and and, and again, the the last maybe four episodes of the season have really been building to that point. Sure. And, and when you think about like kind of the discord of when they first formed the team and trying to learn to trust one another, and work together, and now you have them making, like we, Ezekiel Jones, sacrificing his life for them and hear them all rejecting the thing that, the, that they, their hearts desire in order to stay with each other. Uh, they've really come a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, now, as we say, it seems every time he appears – 
Flynn has to learn how to integrate himself into the group. And, and of course, they have to learn how to accept him as well, which I guess what season three will be about, at least to some extent, I would think. Yeah, uh, they're definitely going to touch that. I don't. I, I would be surprised if they really kind of drilled in, because they don't really deal with like these heavy interpersonal issues very much. You know, they kind of, they bring them up a little bit and every now and then they'll refer back to them, but it doesn't, it's not a major thing because really the, the major thing about the librarians is the adventure and the, the story and, and uh, the excitement. And, uh, and if they don't get too bogged down in, in all this, you know, shipper kind of stuff. Right. And, and the part that they do really, I, again, as you've alluded in, in in the podcast tonight, it's it's kind of between Eve and Prospero, and, and you know he kind of reveals that that's what this town is all about. That you know he he certainly kind of hints that Prospero is about to do something, but that he begged Prospero to make this town for Eve and her friends so she could find true love, which he of course you know means yeah him Eve and him yeah right. Because real love is risky. And I think I finally believe him. You know, you wonder whether all along it's it's just one of these things where, okay, he's got a crush on her, he's gonna, you know, say things, but but you know, but no, it really at least in his mind, and and you know, whether as you again have alluded that she feels something in return. I don't think it's at the same level he does, but yeah, yeah, and you know, like trapping people inside a fantasy world is not a really good way of expressing love to another person. Yeah, no, no. Now, do we, you know, do we cut him some slack that he's a fictional character and he hasn't gotten out that much, or true, or just that he's, you know, I hate to say he's evil. He's bad. Right. Because he's, he's written that way, so. Right. But, you know, there there are levels of goodness to him. And, I mean, I guess you could argue that with most bad guys, that's probably true, and that it's only the truly evil characters that, that are so one-dimensional. Sure, and he comes comes through in, in the end, you know. Yeah, so, right. But, right. Uh, but still, he in, in this particular episode, he's still kind of like, you know, little little selfish yeah well i like when they find out about the ley lines that are now in the air <laughs> and eve asks well is that good or bad well, depends right. how you feel about the end of the world yeah uh, i'm kind of <laughs> not liking the end of the world <laughs> <laughs> i think most people are probably solidly on one side of the end of the world argument yeah and, and, and again great way to end the episode leading us into the season finale uh, episode 10, The Librarians and the Final Curtain. I, I love the it's title. It's the final curtain. No. All right. <laughs> of the four current members of Metallica. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. How many have visible tattoos? I'd say just the one. The uh, uh, I can't remember the bass player's name. No, the guitar player. It is, the answer is one. Oh. James right. Hetfield. Okay. He's got them all up and down his arms. Right. I know that wasn't Metallica you were singing, but yeah. it made me think I was watching Master of Puppets today. On uh, They were on the Howard Stern show. 
Oh yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think it was like a year ago or so, but it was uh, a okay. high def version on YouTube and like 10 minutes long. It was awesome. Like the, like there's a video for master puppets. Yeah. Just the song. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a guy. I love that album. Well, I mean, I love every Metallica album. So, yeah. so I guess I can't. Oh, you know what? It was probably right after we left lunch. We, right, were, we were talking, talking about, about it. Yeah. I went back and called it up. All right. So uh, written by Paul Guyton and John Rogers, directed by Mark Roskin, who we mentioned him like every other episode. Yes. And this one aired two days after Christmas, December 27th, 2015, alternate universe. So not only was I bumming because Christmas is over, but then here's like the last episode of the librarians for about a year hot on its heels thanks yeah. guys i don't know whether or not because i was watching season two live i don't remember if we knew at that point that there was a season three uh i don't think so okay all right well look but we, we do got- it was doing pretty strong numbers i think we heard, had been checking in i think okay well two things right off the bat time travel yep Good. And it's always good. A line that, I, again, it, it never gets old. I love the fact that so many shows use it. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all it's all ref- referring back to the, the Terminator, you know? Like, it's, it's not like... That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and even in... I've even seen it in shows, and now, of course, I can't remember, that while they might be genre, they're certainly not, you know, science fiction or time travel or or sure. whatever but uh all right so we got this situation prospero's knocked out all the electronics and and you know it's funny because as i've said as we've been doing these podcasts that that i've forgotten a lot of these episodes but right away we see the scene where trees and bushes are overtaking all the open spaces it's like oh yeah i remember this now yeah and what, what did that remind you of I don't know what the, because it was something. Remember the Doctor Who episode? Oh, damn it. I, you know, I'm sitting there racking my brain. And it was, it was London because the person on the news had a, well, I don't know if it was London, but the person on the news had a British accent. And so, yeah, once again, I'm thinking, okay, well, did that episode come out in enough time that they could actually be kind of like referred to it a little bit here? Because that just seems too close to be, you know, like if it were an American person, newscaster and, but it was a British one, and like with the trees growing in London, and everything it was like almost like, yeah, I don't know. So clearly, there's some. I hated sort of, that episode, by the way. But still, you mean the Doctor Who episode? The Doctor Who one, yeah. Not 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 the librarians, but the, yeah, the Doctor Who episode. That, that was one of the Doctor Who episode that I just was not enjoying at all. Yeah, yeah, hate's a strong word, but yeah, I know, that's crazy for me to say hate. I know, but I know it was. Uh, I I liked it less than the others. So we know Prospero, it always comes back to the staff and him trying to rewrite his story because, you know, uh, some hack wrote his original story. So, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, Oh, it was uh, uh Christopher Marlowe, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what some people claim. <laughs> uh, so Flynn knows when it is. He just doesn't know where. And, you know, so we get some cool time travel going on. He and he and Eve going back, and then, and that, of course, when you have time travel, it means by the end I'm going to be befuddled and be able to point out about a million things that were paradoxical or just crazy and breaking into rules. But I digress. 
Well, and, and it, again, I don't mean this as an excuse, but rather an explanation. A show like the time, uh, a show like the Librarians, we don't care. Exactly. Twelve Monkeys Continuum. No, you need to be uh, on your game with your time travel rules. Yeah, I just, I, I, I still like Twelve Monkeys, but I don't know what the hell's going on in that. I show. understand. I understand. <laughs> if I didn't have Michael to talk to at work. <laughs> And I tell him that every time I, I read his review, it's no, still, I, I need you to explain what I just saw. <laughs> um, but uh, Prospero tells Moriarty, who questions whether or not he's following his story. And, you know, at this point, you know, coming off you know, the happily ever afters, you know, we're wondering, because as you said, Moriarty has has his chance, we think, with Eve. But he's just not enough of a good guy. Right. And Prospero jolts him to let him know who's in charge. And again, you know, we're still wondering whether he's going to be a good guy. And I think we could argue that, you know, at the end, he's, you know, kind of a good guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he, he proved his, his worth in, in the end. Okay, I, I hate keeping it on back, but I did want to mention this before. So at, at the end of the previous episode, when we realized that, you know, Flynn is also caught up in the in the fake world because he's alone solving a riddle himself, which is what his ideal situation. So he has to let go and it's Eve kissing him that breaks him from the spell. Yeah. Just like when he kissed Eve, it broke her from the spell. Right. Oh yeah. Good. So, I mean, that's powerful mojo between those two. And, uh, and, and, you know, Moriarty can't help to, he can't hope to crack that lineup. No, no, exactly. True love's kiss. What are you yes. going to do? Oh, boy. There you go. All right. Well, <laughs> what would a library be without a time machine room? You need a time machine room. And, you know, I like they, they choose that element, you know, about changing a significant event in the past. And, 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 you know, they talk a little bit about it, whether you want to call it the butterfly effect or, or whatever. But it's um, like Schrodinger's cat, right? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Well, yeah, they start throwing all kinds of stuff out there. But they go back to 1611 <laughs> to figure out how Shakespeare creates Prospero and you know, they go, but the crystal ball, which is the time machine shatters. And then Jenkins of course tells them they're never coming back. And you know, if it was game of Thrones, if it was <laughs> Vikings, if it or was, if it were any of those. Yeah. Well, sorry. Um, <laughs> we might think <laughs> they weren't coming back, but it's, just, it's not a question of, yeah. Are they, it's, how are they going to do it? Sure. Sure. And that, that's like the great thing about like leverage did that all the time too. And that like, you know, like characters would maybe kind of go and they'd be hurt or threatened and everything. But ultimately you knew that they were going to be back and they were going to be okay. And that was like, like, that's one of the things I liked about it. You know, I didn't have this anxiety and this is why I'm concerning breaking up with walking dead for once and for all it's because I just can't take it anymore. I can't. I, I'm. It's like they're teenagers who never grow up, and so all I do is worry about them all the time. You know, yeah. like they never get to a point where I stop worrying about them, and so I just can't take it anymore. So I like a show like The Librarians where I don't have to worry about that. Like I'm not really concerned that anyone's going to die. I'm just. I'm just enjoy. I can enjoy the episode and not be just a, a mess of anxiety the whole time. All right. Well. 
even Flynn donned the 17th century attire. And, you know, that was kind of a funny scene when they talk about, which is something, you know, certainly very real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about was, the odiferousness was a, was a lot of hygiene going on back oh, then. Oh, there was not. But then Moriarty, you know, they're about to be shot. Moriarty saves them. Come with me if you want to live. Eve's response: Please tell me that's not a robot from the future. <laughs> yeah. So that's, again, that was a very nice touch. Oh, it was awesome. So they're all at Wilton House. Now we see that you know they're all in the same place. They're just in different times, which. You know, it's not, I mean, it's certainly we've seen it before in time travel, but, you know, I don't know. There was just something about this that that I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. I haven't seen this a lot, but, sure. but you know, taking us whole, through the first performance of The Tempest and, and again, I historical accuracy, who the heck knows? Not me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, anytime you read Shakespeare, historical accuracy is going to be an issue because he didn't like. It's not like he wrote it down and published it right then and there, you know? All right. Again, great scene because we've heard Flynn talk about his theatrical aspirations in the past. So they're auditioning for Shakespeare. I don't know about you. I was, I was shocked at the overacting <laughs> from Flynn. It, it, it was, it was a, 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 yeah. Well, he had mentioned how, you know, before how he had aspired to be a thespian when he was younger and, uh, it didn't really work out, so uh, I think he became know, the stage manager. He said, "Yeah, exactly right." And, and then you know, Eve had mentioned how she had gotten the lead in Macbeth, and uh, and of course here Shakespeare wants to cast Eve as something, but he bemoans the fact that uh, th- this this boy has uh, already matured and cannot can't play the young girl parts anymore. All right, well, let me ask you this: okay. Te- teacher to teacher. All right. If a kid uses a pen carved from the tree of knowledge, is that cheating? Hmm. I'd have to see if that where that if that's in their academic integrity policy. It might be. It's tough uh, to prove, though. Good point. Well, I, I kind of wish some of mine had used a uh, pen carved from the <laughs> tree of knowledge. <laughs> they write grading. something that's halfway readable. I don't oh. care. <laughs> oh my God! Please cheat. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, we hear about King James coming to the debut of the play that night, The Tempest. But in this version, Prospero conquers the world and, you know, Shakespeare, Prospero, because now they've, I forget, how is it that they became one? He, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, he, 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 because the, the Prospero that was his Prospero the whole time was not Prospero the character is William Shakespeare being possessed by Prospero. Right. Well, they say something about him trying to work out his issues about forced into retirement. Right. So did they mean Prospero or Shakespeare? Shakespeare. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. But then Um, he writes Prospero to reflect his anger at the time. And, And I guess that's where... Because he's using the pen of the tree of knowledge, I guess the whole thing goes magic-y and Prospero is able to possess Shakespeare. Right, and because then he appears and he's wielding his Stargate SG-1 Gauld staff weapon. Yes. Okay, Stargate fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, um, I like the pilot. Yeah. Oh, good point. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, God, it seems like eons I ago. I know. That was, that was a while. It was um, just a couple months. Yeah. 
So Jenkins realizes that Prospero Shakespeare have merged and that they need an exorcism. I don't think we've had a good exorcism in the first two seasons, have we? Or am I forgetting? I mean, they had like the kind of haunted house thing, but I don't know if they had an exorcism. Right. So Eve's the one that figures out that they need to make the ending of the play happen. You know, the whole broken staff, book drowned. So Moriarty distracts Prospero. Now, when Eve gets into the water, is is that, that was one of the three. Yeah, that's Beth Reescraft, dude. Okay. Uh, Come on, man. I'm sorry. It's only the second time I've seen her. (sighs) Oh, she's the one that's in uh, Leverage. That that other show, yeah. Mm. Who was that guy that's in that? Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, again, they've got the little magic triangle, which I think the first time we saw that was at the science fair or the uh, STEM fair, if you will, <laughs> to be accurate. <laughs> accurate. But then it's like Prospero seems to be in both times simultaneously. Uh, you know. His staff is his pen, break it, and you can rewrite the story, Moriarty tells Flynn as he's dying, and then we get into Eve's drowned with the book, and then, oh, how cool. She comes up holding Excalibur. Yeah, that's pretty boss. I, You know, I wish they hadn't done the little Excalibur dog thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's eh, okay. I can yeah. live with it. It was it was still cool. You know, they they take care of that because Flynn yeah, breaks. it was it was like when we saw like Cal as a pet before. It was really sad when he like you know quote unquote died. So right, right. So yeah, now you know, kind of everything is resolved, and then it's like reality hits that Shakespeare's got to go back to sixteen eleven to live out his days. But Flynn and Eve have to stay. Right. The, the, it's just a one one way ride. Yeah. So, you know, they all say their goodbyes. <laughs> I love Jones to Flynn. I still don't like you. Like <laughs> likewise. <laughs> and then Eve telling Cassandra to go have her own event. Again, just, you know, one of the sweetest lines in the in the episode. I love that. Yeah. And uh. Uh, well, all right. But then, you know, the, the, the really cruel aftermath is, you know, only Stone seems to be working on a solution. You know, he mentions to Jenkins about a locked door that can't be opened. And then it's like the light bulbs go off everywhere. Yeah. You know, the message on the door sent from the past using oxygen. Uh, after a while, as the explanations were flying, I'm like, I'm not writing all this down. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Flynn comes up with a plan. It yeah, works. Right. Yeah. He, they, they, put something on a piece of metal that would oxidize at exactly the right amount of time so that they would see it right when they would know to see it and they could go into the room where the statue was and everything. So, yeah. And the sound of Cassandra's voice breaks the spell. And see, here's my confusion. If Prospero is Shakespeare and they send Shakespeare back just to be Shakespeare, when does Prospero now, when, when does he, possess well, Shakespeare to become to do you know, to live through all I don't know well well now that he knows Shakespeare that is what has transpired is it maybe that he won't produce right but if he doesn't the tempest as 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 Flint's point out if if Prospero doesn't exist then none of the other stuff that happened to get them to go back would happen right yeah good point so 
I, this is where you know, time travel episodes get a little bit screwy. And as you said, let it go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just sit back and enjoy it because it was a great episode. Yeah, right, right. We got the covered statue, even Flynn kissing. As you said, Cassandra says something, crumbles, they're alive. 400-year kiss. And then, again, something I forgot about, certainly a thematic idea that that we revisit every time Flynn shows up, that you don't have to run anymore. Stay a while. Mm-hmm. And then that that great visual, even Flynn are, you know, up high looking down on Jenkins and the other three working at a big table. And then he just says, should that table be round? <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, the Knights of the Round Table sure. and all that. Sure. But, I mean, again, what a great way to end an episode. What a great way to end a season. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. Because we've essentially dealt with the prospero problem yep it's all wrapped up not it's all wrapped up like you know no no cliffhanger no oh is who which of these people is going to be dead when next season starts or anything like that and nice warm wrap up right and you know me and spoilers so they may have revealed the season three big bad I don't know about it. So Good. yeah, I don't either. I don't want to know. No, I don't want to know either. So uh, yeah, I, I'm just so excited for Sunday. I can't tell you. So. Yes. Though I don't know if I will watch on Sunday because Sunday's my Westworld day. Westworld's on at nine, dude. Yeah, I know. But it, it, you think I can even get to a TV before nine? Okay. Good point. <laughs> good point. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're quiet tonight. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Sean's working and the others. Actually, they just got back. So. Okay. So uh, <laughs> no, no one uh, banging around up there. All right. Well, listen, speaking of Westworld, I think we're going to have to do that in a, in a quick lunch. We, we, knew, we knew this was going to happen. Dude. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did. And that's fine because I, I don't want to just talk about it for like two minutes. You know? No. Right. And, and so we can put together, maybe we'll release it as a take five. There you go. So, and uh, with minimal editing and just, you know. Sure crank it out so. minimal editing and production values there you go That's, well, that should be our motto uh, well the production values are always pretty good so. okay yeah the editing maybe not so much but yeah. except for you <laughs> cut out my jokes sometimes <laughs> hey d- did you listen all the way through to the uh the uh one where, where the devil was in there i don't know if you yeah because we don't have time look but with all the recording we're doing and work and yeah. you know life, I, I mean, I, I usually listen to each of our podcasts, but I usually don't make it all the way through. Yeah, I, I so, used I used to listen to them, but I, I kind of stopped. Okay, well, fa- fast forward to the the one, the infernal contract. Okay, just get to the end. You know, after right. our, I'll go listen to the whole thing. Okay, well, every now and then I like I go back and I, I mean I don't listen to them. I haven't stopped listening to, them, but I used to like listen to them. And then I just stopped being able to handle the sound of my own voice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. yeah, see, for me, it's just that, you know, there's other podcasts I want to listen yeah, to. No, that, that's honestly actually the truth. It's just there's so many other podcasts. And um, I'm, I'm like uh, riding now two uh, Westworld podcasts, actually. I'm, so, yeah. um, All right. Well, you, you can talk about that and okay. talk about Westworld. So. Do. You see how I tried once again? I know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you with follow-ups to season two or you know what you think season three has in store for us 
I'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss the season three premiere of The Librarians. Can't wait. But until then. You know, Dave, a lot of people say all oh, this podcasting is crazy. But you know why I say that? I say crazy. So on a scale of running from Minotaurs to Santa Claus is now a best mate of ours. Where would the time loop fall? <laughs>